Welcome to The Breakdown. I'm your host, Isaac Mateus. I'm here with Stephen and Johnny. In our show, The Breakdown, we seek to equip students and parents with a biblical framework, practical wisdom, and resources so they would further their relationship with Jesus Christ and further the mission of God. Guys, let's get started with the show. What up, what up, what up? What up, y'all? Guys, how are we feeling? Steven, Johnny, what's going on? Tell me. Tell me what's happening. How are you guys feeling? You feeling loose today? I sure am. I had a good Easter weekend and got a little bit of rest. And now I'm ready for today. I'm excited about our question today. It's going to be good. Mm. Yeah, believe, believe it or not, I'm actually missing people right now, Isaac. I want to be around other people. Really? This is the first time I've ever heard this from Johnny. Johnny is one of the most introverted people I know. And I'm one of the most extroverted people I know. And so there's always an interesting dynamic between us that uh, I get to talk to all the people. Johnny just says, just kind of shoves me out. Like, I said, go talk to that person. I'll be like, all right, cool. Uh, but then he also helps me not go out because I always am out. And so he's like, hey, you probably need to rest some. So that's, that's kind of our, our relationship. All right, well, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm feeling feeling like I want to go outside. Feeling like I want to go hang out with people. That's all right. Hope everybody listening is is uh is dealing well with the quarantine. I uh yeah, I'm not doing very well. So, guys, on the docket today, on the docket today. So, we got this question. I'm pulling it up for some reason my phone just every all technology is just not working for me, guys. All technology is just failing to work. It's fine. We're going to get it. All right. Uh, this is the question that we got. It says, why does God harden the hearts of people, causing them to be unable to believe? Uh, and he references some scripture here. Uh, says, therefore, uh, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Uh, I just wanted to know if you had an answer, how that works. So kind of the question in summary or in short is why does, why, why does the scripture refer to this idea of hardening people's hearts, that God is hardening people's hearts? So just quickly kind of what, what do you guys, what would be like a, a response you would give to, a, to somebody that had that question? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in here. Uh, I think the context of the scripture is helpful. So you've got Greeks that come up to Jesus and they're asking questions and um, you've got this crowd that's there and they're all kind of pressing in and um, Jesus responds in, in parables and he responds in speaking and uh, and kind of this um, as they are not really listening to what he's saying. So they're coming to him and they're asking him this stuff and they're kind of challenging him and he responds. Um, but yet he's responding to a group that for the most part has already rejected him in their heart. Um, they've heard him speak already. Many of them, they've heard of his miracles or they've even seen miracles. Um, and, you know, he's kind of like, man, I'm only going to be here. Like right before this, he speaks of um, in verse 35, Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you become sons of the light. Um, and then, you know, he continues on, and 
uh, in the end of verse 38, he kind of says, uh, or, or, um, he's, or I guess 38, we'll just start in the beginning. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, uh, which he spoke, Lord, who, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And the kind of the short answer is uh, not many have believed the report of Jesus and not many have actually placed their faith and trust in him. So you get this large portion of people who sees the miracles um, and they see Jesus's uh, examples, his, they hear his words spoke, they actually see him, you know, live and breathe and eat and do um, and they've seen all the testimonies of who Jesus is, and yet they continuously reject him. You think of uh, all the miracles that Jesus does, even when he feeds the 5,000 plus or the 4,000 plus. And um, right after this, you know, the people respond as if like, you know, uh, we need you to do something else, Lord. They follow him and he even says, like, you follow me because of the things that I do, not because of who I am, not because you really believe in me. Um, and so many people are just coming to Jesus in droves, expecting miracles, but are unwilling to submit to him as Lord. And so, though the invitation has been given to uh, Israel um, and to the Jews, uh, from long ago, the invitation to you know, place your faith and trust in Jesus and to follow God um, has been given, they continuously reject him. So this goes back to the Old Testament, obviously, to Isaiah. And uh, so we'll get into that in a moment, but it's interesting here that like in the midst and in the context, you got this, this group of people who's come to the Lord um, and he responds to them by saying, you're, you're hearing everything I'm saying, but you're not listening to anything I'm saying. Uh, you're seeing everything that I'm doing, but it's not making any sense. Like you're not really actually seeing what's going on here. Um, you understand, man, I just healed somebody and I, you know, I have command over all of creation and but you, yet you don't actually understand that I'm God, even though I say I am. You're missing it, and so you have this uh, this period in which you know from the Old Testament all the way till when Jesus comes, you kind of have this um, this argument being built, and and you already know these things are going to happen where the people are going to see, but they're not going to actually see or understand or hear and really actually repent and follow Jesus. They're going to have all the examples they could ever need and yet still reject him in their heart. And so when he says this, like he's not rejecting people that want to follow him. He's not hardening the hearts of people who are willing to submit. And they're like, man, if I could just believe in Jesus and Jesus is like, nah, no, no, I didn't, I'm not choosing you. You can't follow me. Uh, I'm going to harden your heart and you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like that's not the case here. Uh, he's, you know, the example given is that they are already rejecting him in their hearts. Um, and even beyond that, if you continue to read uh, in the context here, um, they, you know, they, they love kind of their own reputation and they love their, their own circumstances and, and their own selves more than they do the Lord. They, they seek the approval, the approval of men more than, the approval of God and so they're unwilling to actually follow him and so you get an example like this where where Jesus actually prevents them from being able to understand because their hearts are already turned towards not understanding so I think it's important to, to kind of think through Jesus never or God never hardens the heart of somebody who's not already willing to have their heart hardened or have already begun that process by themselves by rejecting him.
Yeah, I mean, you see the same thing with Pharaoh in Egypt, right? So Moses goes before Pharaoh asking for him to let God's people go. And uh, he performs these, uh, this miracle, which, which is a plague. Um, actually, God performs, performs this miracle. And uh, we see that Pharaoh's response is to harden his heart, right? So, um, you know, we, we see here in, in Exodus uh, chapter 7, right, uh, where, where Moses puts his staff down and it becomes a snake. So uh, Pharaoh is kind of curious as to how this happened, right? And, and we know it was God showing his power, but then Pharaoh calls his own magicians, and they're, uh, through magic, able to make uh, a similar uh, thing happen. And Pharaoh explains away God's power, hardens his heart, and says, no, I'm not going let, to let your people go. So then God continues with these plagues and the plagues get bigger and bigger and grander and grander to show the power of God. And Pharaoh hardens his heart. And it's only after multiple plagues that the language in, in the, uh, in the English version of, of the old Testament switches from Pharaoh hardened his heart to God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So it was after this repeated response of rejecting the power of God, rejecting uh, who God was that then God gives Pharaoh over uh, to, to his heart being hardened. I think the important thing, uh, Stephen, even in what you were, were, were talking about, is that all of these things work to show the glory of God, right? Um, somebody having their heart hardened, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, shows the glory of God because uh, it shows the wrath of God. So it shows that God is just, that God is righteous, um, because their heart is hard, they are subject to the wrath of God. And it also, for those of us that are not subject to the wrath of God through the blood of Jesus, um, it should make us love and cling to, uh, to our, our Father even more. Yeah, and, you know, there's a whole lot of theology that goes into um, kind of this process. And so, you know, back, way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, you have this, um, <clears throat> this time in which Moses is speaking to the people and God is speaking through Moses and they kind of have this whole heart-to-heart conversation with all of Israel who's gathered and, and kind of laid before them their options. And it's, and if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. And if you don't follow me, you're going to be cursed. And then I'm actually going to bring a people who is not my people. So somebody outside of Israel is actually going to become my people. Uh, and they're going to become people who follow me. And they're going to be the obedient people. Uh, and this carries all the way through. So Isaiah uses this all over. And um, many of the Old Testament prophets use this language. And you have kind of this argument built for um, God actually extending the invitation of salvation to Israel and Israel rejecting that. And then because of their rejection, you actually see the invitation to the rest of the world kind of be manifested. And this is kind of interesting how this plays into Isaiah as far as the timing of all of this. And so some of that is, is kind of in Isaiah six and on into seven, where you kind of see uh, some of this, where, where God is actually giving kind of some evidence when Isaiah says, well, how long is, well, until things are made desolate. And, and, you know, you have to kind of go and study greatly to see, uh, you know, kind of build that and, and kind of see what's really going on. But it really is until Jesus comes, like how long until Jesus comes. And you see here that uh, over and over in the scripture and uh, over and over in different passages and, and Old Testament prophets, and we really don't have time to go into all of those things. Um, but Hosea is another great example of this kind of 
and I'm going to do something, um, and it's going to be uh, a new people, a people outside of Israel that's going to come to me. I'm going to make something that's not my people, my people. And, you know, Romans 11, you know, builds this greatly and kind of ties a lot of this stuff together where you see uh, because of Israel's rejection um, after Jesus comes, you know, because, you know, that's, again, that's kind of how long will this take place until Jesus comes, you know, um, Isaiah is saying. Uh, after Jesus comes, you see this continual rejection, and then you see um, after Jesus comes, he, he dies on the cross, he rises again, he ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes, and now you have this mass influx of Gentiles and those who are not the people of the Lord coming into his kingdom, and you actually get to see kind of this working out where those who are not the people of God become the people of God, and it's because of Israel's rejection of Jesus. They kill him on the cross, and therefore salvation is now extended to the world and is offered to all mankind. And so to Johnny's point, you get this glorification of the Lord through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is because the people rejected him. Um, and so they actually reject him, and therefore they kill him. And now God is using this, like it's part of God's sovereign plan. Um, and, and so God uses all these things to actually offer salvation to the world. And so you see this influx of, of people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue, the scripture says, it now comes to Christ, whereas before it seemed, you know, primarily just offered to Israel. And so uh, passages like this kind of are they're difficult to kind of wrap your head around because you're using a vast amount of scripture to kind of build this, the theology for it um, and kind of understand what's going on through the whole text. But it's fascinating here how Jesus does this and says and quotes Isaiah um, to, to say to these people, I mean, you're rejecting me um, and you're rejecting me because you fear men more than God. Um, but actually it's going to all be for the glory of the Lord. So, yeah, so you get this uh, because they are hardened already towards Jesus and rejecting him. You kind of see this this hardening of the heart or this uh, inability to believe because God has now prevented them. And he's doing something theological there. Okay, so kind of in summary, right, you've got what so what you and and Johnny have sort of uh, said is that. um that number one, uh, God hardening the hearts of people, it, uh, never uh, is because God is is trying to to stop somebody who genuinely wants to follow Him. It's not like He's saying, "No, you can't come on the ride. You're not old enough. You're not cool enough. You're not tall enough to ride the ride. So you gotta you gotta go back home." Uh, he's not rejecting people that want to follow Him or that want to uh, to to surrender their lives to Him. Uh, really what that's sort of referring to is people that have rejected him multiple times and that are rejecting him continually, um, that they're not wanting to follow him. So kind of that first part, just understanding kind of the, the right theological perspective that God is not sort of pointing his finger and saying, you can't come and you can't come, but you can come. Um, but it is actually uh, giving the choice uh, to allow people to make a decision whether they want to want to follow him or not, kind of tying back to, um, some of the lab, some of the previous podcasts that we've had talking about how love requires choice and that God allows us to have sort of this type of choice. And so, so that being the first thing, and then, um, and then, 
you guys alluded to some, some good things, some positive things that can actually come out of um, God knowing what people are going to choose and yet still uh, having a sovereign plan that is going to incorporate allowing people to still have free will, but allowing people to also receive grace and mercy. Um, is that, am I, am I tracking with you guys? Yeah, I, I think you are. And one, one other thing, some people will point, you know, to the fact that uh, God allows hearts to be hardened or even that God hardens a heart and say, man, God's not being just, right? He should allow all people to come to him. Um, you know, and, and Paul deals with this in Romans chapter nine, where he talks about, uh, you know, Esau and Jacob in, in, in uh, verse 13, um, he points back to uh, Jacob, I love, but Esau I hated. And then he, in verse 14, says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's, God's part? By no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Um, so it's, it's God ultimately that makes this choice, but there is, uh, when, when our hearts are hardened, it's only after uh, we've rejected God. It's only after we've uh, pushed God away from us, and it's not unjust, because who are we to tell God what justice is, right? He is the author of justice. Um, so if, if I'm rejecting God constantly, um, it, it's only natural that my, after hardening my heart for so long, it's going to remain hardened, right? You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I get that. I do get that. Stephen, do you have anything to add to that before we? Yeah. Okay. I mean, just you see the heart of God, you know, he says, you know, he wishes none to perish. He has made a way for... Uh, every tribe, nation, language, and tongue to come to him. Um, he's not this mean-hearted God who's just uh, playing tricks with people. Um, he's offered a way for people to come to know him. Um, no one is without guilt, uh, and no one was, is without, uh, you know, sin, and no one is without the um, like God would be just in killing everyone and sending everyone to hell because of their sin and their rejection of him. And so everyone has in some way, form or fashion, you know, everyone who's committed sin has rejected the Lord in some form or fashion. I think this is a little different in that it's more along the lines of like this hardening is not just a, where they sin, but they had real, no like perceived knowledge of God. Um, although that could be part of it, I think this is more, this language of hardening, this language of uh, rendering them insensitive and their hearts dull is more of a, man, I've seen Jesus work. I've heard the gospel. I've had an encounter with Jesus or at least, you know, his message and the good news of who he is. And I've just rejected it. Um, and I've kind of rejected it in my heart. Um, and it doesn't mean that like, you know, you never know, like some for some folks, it could be, I mean, I've rejected it hardcore just once. I mean, I heard it one time and I rejected it completely. It could be for others, man, they, they've heard it a thousand times and then they kind of come to this conclusion of, and I've rejected this. I do not believe it. Um, and I think that's when you see like this hardening that takes place and this preventing them from believing. But I, I don't know that this is as much of a, a thing now as it was before. Um, and, and so I'll, I want to clarify that a little bit. You see a little bit of this, um, and it's certainly a, a thing, um, is the searing of the heart, the searing of the mind kind of thing you see in Hebrews. Um, 
but I think this was primarily uh, like in the context of this, this is God doing something. Um, and so he's preventing the people from coming to Jesus in mass droves um, without the spirit and before the invitation is given to all of humanity the same way. Like, so you have Jesus die on a cross and then you have the spirit come. And then you have this invitation that's given to all humanity. It's not that the invitation wasn't given before, but it's different in that now the spirit is at work and they get saved and they receive the Holy spirit and Jesus has died on the cross. And so you have this invitation that's clearly in the scripture to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And so this hardening seems to be something that's bringing in this and then to the Gentile phase. Um, and so I don't know that we should function with like this. Well, God's just going to harden me because he's doing something theological. Um, I think that was part of God's sovereign plan to bring about the, and then to the Gentiles phase, to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. Um, and so I think that we, we should be careful and tread this lightly. Um, because God's not just in the habit of going around and just saying, well, now I'm going to harden your heart, and I'm going to harden your heart, and I'm going to harden your heart because you sinned against me. Uh, what you see in the Scripture is actually the, the opposite. Of the you know, 99% of the time, it's always this compassionate, long-suffering, long-enduring God who continues to give you opportunity to confess and get right and repent. And so the scripture seems to be clear that like no one is beyond repentance. Um, that, that God extends that invitation to someone, no matter the sin that they have done, that they can then repent and get saved. Um, and so it's kind of this, there's a lot in here and it's a difficult question to kind of nail down, but I think, I think it's helpful for us to see what's going on in the text there as this is taking place kind of the pre and then to the Gentiles phase. Yeah, Stephen, I think you're hitting on something here that um, is perhaps maybe a better way to ask the question, right? Why does God soften our hearts, right? There's nothing inside of natural man and, and his sinful nature that's going to seek after God, right? So God goes and, and uh, causes what, what the Bible says, the dead to come to life so that we can respond to God. So why does God soften the hearts of people rather than hardening their hearts, right? Um, again, going back to that Romans uh, 9 passage, um, <clears throat> Paul, Paul writes that, um, that God, in verse 18, so then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So God shows his mercy in softening our hearts and letting us respond to the good news of the gospel uh, and place our faith in Jesus Christ through, uh, by, by grace through faith. Um, that, that is what blows my mind away. Not that God hardens the heart of people, but that while we are enemies with God, while our hearts are naturally bent toward being hardened to him, that God softens our hearts so that we can respond to the gospel. Yeah. Okay. That's uh no, that's, I think that's helpful and kind of gives some, some helpful parameters. I think it's uh cause I think the, the worry is that at least in my mind is sort of um, giving good reason of why the Lord maybe hardens people's hearts. And then sort of thinking of it as like, man, will the ends justify the means so that, uh, you know, for Pharaoh's case or for the people uh, in Jesus's time that were Jews that uh, were rejecting him, that the ends justify the means that them 
um, essentially being forced to reject him justifies the the means, which is that the whole world gets to get salvation. But that's not what's happening. I want to just be really clear. That's not, uh, we're not saying that the ends justify the means. We're saying that God, knowing that people will reject him, is actually sovereignly working and still allowing them to have free will of choice to reject or to accept him, and yet still using their rejection of him for his plan that will ultimately culminate in salvation being uh, salvation being able to be received by the Gentiles. And in the Exodus passage, in that case, that the Jews would actually be able to leave and start their journey to being a nation. Uh, so these are, these are, like Stephen said, uh, very specific kind of sections in scripture that are difficult and that, that we want to tread lightly. Um, but uh, just as Johnny said, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there is a lot of grace given to both sides where God is uh, in sections that are kind of confusing where God's hardening people's heart, but he's also uh, awakening dead men to life. And so there's, there's just this really interesting free will yet the Lord's sovereignty kind of at play. And so we just want to keep that in mind, but do you guys have anything else to add, Stephen, Johnny? All right. The silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought Johnny was going to say something there. Um, uh, it not to throw you under the bus, Johnny, or anything like that. I just uh, I was kind of waiting. I, you look like you're going to say something, but yeah, that bus uh, hurt, man. <laughs> uh, I think it's important for you know for us to realize there will be there will be more people that are hardened and and that do reject the Lord. Um, you know, uh, and there are you know there are times in which you know. People were given over to their sinful desires. They are then given over to Satan because of their hardness of their heart. Um, these are, you know, already previous rejections of Jesus. This is not like Jesus is saying, well, now you can't, you know, follow me. Um, it's you don't want to follow me. So now I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. The desire of your heart is to reject me. So now I'm going to give you that. Um, we certainly see like, man, there's going to be a hardness that the Antichrist possesses. Like he's going to be hardened because of his desire to be against the Lord. Um, so I would, I don't want us to say that like no one gets hardened. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I just think in these passages, there's something theological taking place. Um, when we see hardening in the New Testament, kind of after Jesus's resurrection and ascension, it seems to be uh, like, like I said earlier, where, where God is actually giving them over to their previous desire. And if we're honest, like our previous desire is towards sin. Like we desire sin. Um, and certainly before Christ. Uh, and so this is not a, a after Christ hardening type thing. Like we don't get Jesus and then God hardens our hearts and prevents us from believing. Um, we don't, you know, not, not after salvation. But what you do see is a previous to salvation, a desire for evil in which God will allow us to continue to walk in. Um, and I don't know kind of where that line is drawn as far as, man, if I, I was given over to my sin and now I actually you know, want to repent and follow Jesus, it seems like in the New Testament that's always an option to repent. Um, but you do have this kind of hardening and searing of the mind of someone who has rejected Jesus, they've rejected the truth, um, they, they reject um, who God is, 
they, they, they reject his work on the cross. They reject his, um, his love for them. And so then you have this total just hardness um, and almost aggression towards you know, the father. And you see that as being just a, a, a person filled with sin. Um, and that, that would be more of the hardening that you see where God actually allows them to receive what they desire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, yeah, this topic, like you said, is, uh, is one that needs to be treaded lightly in the sense of there is, there is some, there's some mystery as well. We don't know all the things and, and honestly we could spend a while talking about sort of the, the relationship between us and God and, um, kind of the whole process of salvation and, you know, why some come to faith and why others don't. And there's just, there's a ton of nuances, I think, to a lot of this, but I think we've got a really good, um, a really good foundation, at least a really good kind of starting point to where our questions uh, maybe are at now. Hopefully our students kind of understand a little bit better. Um, but um, if, if you guys have nothing else, um, thank you guys for coming on. As always, thank you guys for, for being a part of this. Thank you for, uh, for you listening. Um, as always, if you guys have questions, either pertaining to this question that we've talked about or something else, uh, send it to us at thebreakdown at richlandcreek.com, thebreakdown at richlandcreek.com, and we'll be looking through those questions. We'll be uh, sifting through those questions and looking to answer them. Um, but as always, we're here for you. Uh, please let us know if we can do anything for you. Um, again, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Johnny, for, uh, for sitting down with us. Um, we'll see you guys next week.